0: I think it's some really important scripture, and I think if, if, you, if you'll focus and the anointing of God will be here, I think this scripture is going to speak to us. We're going to go all the way back to the book of beginnings. We're going to go to the book of Genesis, and if you're not familiar with your Bible, that's the very first book in the Bible. And so I would encourage you to spend some time reading in Genesis if you've never read there, especially those first few chapters. It, it tells us about how God created everything. And, and that's what we are as, as Christians, as Bible-believing men and women. We are creationists. We believe in creation. We believe that everything was created by God. There is some, some thought going on in our world today that it was the Big Bang Theory. Just one day, bang, and everything turned into the earth, and these molecules blew up, and you had water, and you had monkeys, and you know what? The world tells us that you evolved from a monkey some of you act like monkeys, but you did not come from a monkey, okay? You're created by God. We're going to read that, and we're going to understand that. We're going we're to talk about, today we're going to talk about God creating man. But I want to take a minute, and I want you to see the first thing God did was He created an atmosphere where you, man could survive on the earth. God looked down from heaven, and it was dark, and He said, let there be light. And the light shined. And God said, let the dry ground be separated from the water. God said, let the sun rule the day and the moon rule the night. He created plants that would grow and produce oxygen so that humans and animals can breathe. What I want you to see is the first thing God does is he works on the atmosphere. And I want to tell you that today because if you want to see your marriage start to thrive, the first thing you need to do is start working on the atmosphere in your marriage. No bitterness, no anger, no unforgiveness. Start bringing love into your home. If you want your home to be a place where your kids love to come and their friends love to come, create an atmosphere of peace and where the Spirit of God moves. You know what makes a good church? It's not a good worship leader. a good preacher. It's when the people create an atmosphere of hunger. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Atmosphere changes everything. And God created an atmosphere where man and woman could dwell. So here we go. Let's read the scripture. Genesis 1, 26 through 31. God created earth and atmosphere. And then he said, let us make human beings... In our own image, to be like us, they will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So, God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Let's take, a, let's take a pause right there and a time out. Because I understand that there seems to be some confusion in our world nowadays. There seems to be some confusion about how many genders there are out there. And it seems to be some confusion. And so I'm just telling you, from a biblical standpoint and from a God view, there are two genders. There is male and there is female. And 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 yeah, yeah. We need to understand that. I know that to some people and I know that to some young generations that that can be offensive and that can hurt them. But you know what? We need to know the truth because if we know the truth, the truth will set us free from the lies of society and the lies of the enemy. There are two genders. And listen to me. If believe the Bible, that it's infallible Word of God, that it's true from the very first word in Genesis to the last word in Revelation, then we must believe that God created us. And how many of you know, God does not create junk. You are created in the image of God. God's fingerprints are on you before you were in your mother's womb. God knew you and He formed you and God made you male and our God made you female. And it is not your decision to decide what gender you are. Amen. It is not. God already said that, and God already determined that. God made male and female. He created them, and then God blessed them. Can, can I say this to you today? Look at me right quick. Look, 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 look. God wants to bless his creation. God wants to bless you. Some of you, that's hard for you to believe. Some of you have a poverty mentality and some of you believe that you're always going to be broke and you're always going to be less than and you're never, ever going to be blessed and you're never going to have the finer things in life. The enemy has lied to you and God created you and you are children of God and God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. And here's what God said. He made man, he made woman, they got the earth and he says, you two, go be fruitful and Multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. I've given you green plants for food, for the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything has life, and that is what happened. And so God looked over all that he had made. The earth, the creeks, the trees, the birds, the animals, the deer, the buffalo, the cow. He looked at Adam, he looked at Eve, male, female, they're going to reproduce. God saw all that he had made and he said, it is very good. Can I tell you something? You are very good today. Look at your neighbor right quick and say, hey neighbor, you are very good. Look at your other neighbors, hey neighbor, you are very good. Now tap the person in front of you and say, Hey, person in front of me, my pastor is very good. <laughs> oh. He said God saw everything. God saw so God. Man, woman, reproducing, making babies, governing, ruling everything. God said, It is good. And the evening passed and the morning came, making that the sixth day. Here's what I want you to see: God created the atmosphere, and God set everything up in the earth. So that Adam and Eve could be happy. So that they could live together and they could be successful. He made them to come together and have babies. He, he, he set everything up so that they would be content. So that they would be satisfied with life and relationship with each other. And relationship with God so that they would be fulfilled. God set it up so that they would have healthy lives and that they would have good relationships. God set it all up for them. And can I just take a time out and tell you something right quick? God has done the same thing for you and I. God has given us so many good gifts, and He has placed us where He wants us to be and live where we're supposed to live and go to school, where we're supposed to go to school and go to church, where we're supposed to go to church. God has been before us and prepared a way, and He has set it up for you and I to have a fulfilled life. God has it for us. God has it for us, and he wants to continue to keep blessing God gave Adam and Eve this. And then he goes, you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to create the Garden of Eden. I'm going to create the greatest garden for you people. To enjoy. How many of you don't like a good garden in the summer? Come on, somebody. I know maybe you think I'm country, but, man, homegrown tomatoes. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Squash, y'all. Okra? Who don't, like, who don't like okra in West Texas? God said, I'm going to give them a garden, Genesis 2, 8 through 10. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. He put him in the garden. The Lord made all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. Pear trees, apple trees, plum trees, persimmon trees, apricot trees. All those good trees were there growing, producing fruit. Delicious! In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember that one. There's a river that flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. You see this? God goes, here's your garden. Here's your fruit trees. Here's your mater bushes. And guess what? You don't even have to water it. I mean, come on y'all. It was so hot this summer. I quit watering my tomatoes two months ago because it was not going to grow. I said, I'm going to make the river run and water your garden. you got everything that you need. It's all set up. And then God does something that can be somewhat aggravating to us. Does God ever do things that aggravate you sometimes? Come on, y'all. Let's be real. God creates everything, gives them a garden, and then he sets up some boundaries and some parameters, and he sets up some rules and commandments that they got to live by dad gum it i want to live by my own rules can i get a witness i want to go where i want to go i don't want to be confined to these batteries i don't want to be shackled to the commandments of god i, I, I don't want to do all that well here's the deal if you make it and you own it and you create it you get to set the rules up that's the way it is and so god set this all up and he goes Actually, you know what God did? He didn't give them the Ten Commandments at this time. God gave them one rule. Everybody say, one rule. One rule. one rule? one rule. One principle. One command that they have to obey. Just one. Let's see what that one is. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend to it and watch over it. But the Lord God warned Adam, You can eat freely from every, fruit of tr- uh, every tree in the garden except that one tree. Here's the rule. You can have everything you want, but don't do this one thing. How many of you have kids? You tell them, don't do whatever, but don't do that one thing. What's the first thing they do? That one thing. You can eat of all the trees except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are surely to die. God said, here it is. Here's life. Here's satisfaction. Here's fulfillment. Here's fulfillment. But don't do this one thing. See, God has given us. Can we be real? God has said, here's life. Here's life abundantly. Here's a life full of joy. Here's a life of forgiveness. Here's a life full of peace. Here's. God wants to bless you God created you and me But you know what the problem is We're just like Adam and Eve And we stepped out of the boundaries of God And we tried to make our own rules And we tried to live according to what culture says Or live of what society says Or live what some teacher or professor says Or politician said We have been disobedient To the plans and the commands of God And when we do that We set ourselves up We struggle, we set ourselves up our problems here's the deal when there's temptation for you and I how many of you will agree temptation is there for me can I hear an amen it's there just like it was then do you know why can I tell you do you see in the scripture God created temptation look at me look 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 God created temptation do you know that God said, here's the good tree, and here's the tree you can't eat from. Why did God give us a choice? Because if we choose to honor him, it shows him that we truly love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If there would have been no choice, and God would have just made us do right, we would have been slaves, and our love wouldn't have been sincere. So God gives each of us a choice. There are temptations for the newest of Christian, and there are temptations for the preacher of 21 years, and there are temptations for the 70-year-old. Temptation is everywhere. It's an everyday choice to choose God because we continually show God, I love you, God. We continue. So when temptations arise in our life, different temptations for different seasons, there's always This voice in our head, come on somebody, do you have voices in your head? There's always the voice of the enemy out there, trying to lie to us, trying to bring doubt to us, trying to taint the truth of the Word of God. And so Adam and Eve have some temptation, watch what happens next, the devil shows up. Genesis 3, 1 through 7, the serpent was the shrewdest, the smartest, the connivingest, The sneakiest ever of all the animals that the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Watch what he does. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? The enemy, you know what he does? Very subtly and very shrewdly comes in and gets us to doubt what God said. Just a little doubt. Does that, 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 I'm not sure we doubt. Just a little bit, and when we doubt, all of a sudden we begin to swirl what's true, what's not true, and we're doubting the word of God. Every time the enemy comes, he'll first get you to doubt God. And she says, Of course, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. The woman replied, It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. Stop. Do you see? Eve knew the truth right there, Eve knew the truth. She knew what God had said. She knew. Listen to me. It is not enough that you know the Word of God. It is not enough that you know right from wrong. It is not enough that you know the truth. You must have enough courage, and you must have enough strength, and you must have enough boldness to go, I know the truth, and I am going to stand on the truth. Because I'm going to tell you, (laughs) can I preach to y'all third service? I done got plumb wound up jacking with them first two services over there because there's plenty of Christians in our world today and there's plenty of people that are in our churches today that are full of hot air and they know the truth but they're believing the lie of the enemy and they don't have the courage to stand for the truth and they don't have the courage to speak the truth because they're afraid they'll be labeled as politically incorrect they're afraid they'll be labeled as someone that is hey it's time that we know the truth but it's time that we live out the truth speak the truth and stand for the truth <clears throat> half of you got that anyway God said you must she knew what the rule what the what the commands were but God said, you must not eat it or even touch it, or if you do, you'll die. Watch the enemy bring a little doubt. No, 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 you ain't really going to die. Doubt again. Just constantly bringing doubt. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. Has the devil ever convinced you before? Convinced you it was Okay convinced you you could spend the night, convinced you you could sleep around, convinced you you could take one hit off that pipe, convinced you that you could lie to the IRS, convinced you that you could do one more thing that you know God is not calling you to do. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful. Fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit. Watch this. Danged old wicked woman. She took some of the fruit and ate it and then gave some to her husband. And he ate it too. At that moment. Boom. Look at me. Look, 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 look. At the moment of disobedience. At the moment of sin. We're going to talk some more about sin in a minute. It's something we don't like to talk about and has become very unpopular to talk about in our church. And because we've not had the courage to talk about it and call sin out, our people. Are being destroyed inside of our churches Every day That the moment that they sinned Their eyes were open, And suddenly she felt shame Shame Ugly, dirty, heavy Condemnation Unworthiness, guilt Shame came over them And that shame In their nakedness So they sewed fig leaves together And covered themselves Sin y'all sin at the moment they sin. Can I can I take a minute and tell you what sin is? Yes, Pastor Cody, please tell me what sin is. Sin is straight running selfishness. Sin is when you don't care about going against the commands of God. Sin is when you say, "I know God has given me everything, but I don't care. I want to fulfill my anger." I to fulfill my sexual desires, I want to fulfill my flesh. Sin is when you make everything about you, it is selfishness. And the wages of sin are death. When we sin, Romans 6:23, the wages of sin are death. When we sin, it brings a separation between us and our God our, our, our life-giving God. When we sin, it, it, it brings separation between us and our spouse, us and our boyfriend or girlfriend. Sin is destroying our country right now. It destroys And here's the deal. Does God forgive sin? Yes. Does God show grace? Yes. Does God give mercy? Absolutely. But I'm going to tell you something. There will always be consequences for our sins. Always. We live in a culture now where it's okay just sin because God is love. I can do what I want to do because God loves me and God's going to forgive me. Yeah, but there's going to be some consequences for your sin. There's going to be some consequences for the poor choices that you make. Adam and Eve, they sin against God. They break the one rule, shame. it's you ever struggle with shame, guilt, unworthiness? And they go and they hide in the bushes from God. How many of you know you can run, but you can't hide from the Lord? You can't because God loves you, and he's always constantly seeking relationship with you. Genesis 3, 8 through 11. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the lord god walking about in the garden you ever you ever be living your life in sin and, and you around somebody and they start talking about the lord and you get convicted and you just want to get away from them when i was going with jennifer back in the early days she was always listening to that christian radio station boy i was not living right and i wasn't doing right and i'd get in the car with her and she'd have that air one going on and i'd just be like turn that crap off i don't want to listen to that And it wasn't that I didn't like the Christian music. It was I was under conviction because I was full of shame and guilt. And I was living in sin. Adam and Eve were hiding from it. But the the, the man, they heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Can I say one more thing? Can I preach to y'all today? There comes a time we have to quit sinning. Comes a time we have to... to to, to heed the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want you to know, because some of you are in this room today, and you're living a straight-running life of sin, and you're trying to cover it up, and you're trying to hide it, and you're trying to make everybody think that you're not. and The inside full of guilt and shame and condemnation and you feel like god can't love you and god doesn't want to jack with you let me tell you this there is no sin that you can commit that will make god quit loving you there is not enough bad deeds that you can do where god will quit seeking you out because god loves you and while they were sinners god was seeking them out and god is seeking you out to draw you unto him not so he can beat you up but so he can get that Sin wait off of your life and let you live a life of freedom in Christ Jesus. God goes and he finds them. And they, say, they, said, they said, we heard you walking in the garden, so we hid. We were afraid because I was naked. I want to talk about this word, afraid. Sin brings shame. Sin brings guilt. Sin brings condemnation. But sin brings fear as well. Fear because I was naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Here's what I want you to see right here. God sought them out. Are you still with me? Can I hear a good amen? Amen. God loved them in their sin, and he sought them out. And he went to them in love, but here's what else he did. He held them accountable for their sins. That's something none of us want to be done. We We don't want to be held accountable Oh, no, don't you hold me accountable. You, don't you judge me. Don't you talk about my sin. Who are you to judge me? No, 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 no. We need to be held accountable for our sins and the mistakes and the poor choices that we've made. And so God loves them, but he holds them accountable as well. He holds them accountable. Here's where I want to get to where I'm going to preach to you today. <laughs> what is their response? Adam and Eve, just like you and I, God set up a life for them to bless them. And Adam and Eve chose selfishness over God, just like you and I have done. We're honest. Well, how did they respond to God? When he sought them out, when he held them accountable, when he called out their sin, what was their response? Almost comical. Genesis 3, 11 through 13. Who told you you were naked, the Lord asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to? And Adam replied, it was that dirty, rotten woman that you gave me who gave me that fruit, and I ate it. What's the first thing Adam did when God held him accountable and God called him out of sin? He made an excuse. Wasn't me, Lord. It was that woman. Listen, see, what else we do. Not only did did, did Adam blame the woman, but Adam blamed God because he said, well, you're the one that gave me that woman, God. So it's your fault, God, for giving me that woman. I was fine by myself. And then that woman, you know, she manipulated me and tricked me and she made me eat it. It's everybody else's fault, but it ain't my fault. He made excuses. He shifted the blame to somebody else. So the Lord goes, okay. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And she said, the devil made me do it. The devil tricked me. You, here's what I want you to see. No excuses. Adam had an excuse. Adam shifted blame. Eve had an excuse. Eve shifted blame. Everybody blaming everybody and nobody taking responsibility and nobody being held accountable. I think as we look at our world today, if we're all honest, everybody has an excuse for everything. I, I think it's the real pandemic in our country. I think it's the real pandemic in our world. It's not the Wuhan flu and it certainly ain't the mucky pox. Can I hear an amen? The real pandemic is that we've raised up a few generations and everything is everybody else's fault. Nobody can be held responsible. Nobody can be accountable. And we make an excuse for why we live the life that we live. Or we make an excuse for why we don't do what we should do. What does it mean, Cody, to make excuses? It means we justify our actions. It means we rationalize our actions. We cover them up. We blame shift. We shift the focus. We whitewash it. Something is always somebody else's you got a sorry attitude. Your attitude sucks. Your attitude is not good. You have a poor, pitiful me attitude. You have a victim mentality. Your attitude, the way you think, sucks. And if anybody calls you out on it, you will have an excuse as to why you can continue to have that attitude. Because you like having that attitude because you've had that attitude for so long. Your marriage is messed up. Your marriage is not right. It's not healthy. Excuse as to why he didn't do, and she has an excuse to why she didn't do, and everybody has an excuse for everybody. Else. Your children—they act like godless heathens. They're always in trouble. They're the ones right in the middle of the mess up there at school, and all you do is make excuses and allow your children to continue to act like godless heathens. You have habits. I have habits. We have habits that we do. And our habits tear us down. And the habits attack our health. And the habits attack our relationships. And we continue to make excuses why we can continue to smoke a pipe. And we continue to make excuses why we can look at pornography. And we continue to make excuses of why I can go do drinking and alcohol. And it's affecting us. And nobody's held accountable. And we're just making excuses. And we're staying at the same level never growing up excuses. You're broke. You have absolutely no money. You spent every every month and every credit card you have is maxed out. You're paying 25% interest on it and you have an excuse as to why you're broke. You are late. Some of you will really truly be late to your own funeral. You're late to work. You're late to church. You're late to everything you go and it ain't never You've always got an excuse as to why you are late. Your spiritual life is flatlining. You have not grown in spiritually at all in the last 10 years, and your excuse is that Cody ain't teaching me good enough, and he ain't deep enough, and I ain't growing because of him. We have- excuses for everything. Some of you are harboring unforgiveness and it's got anger and it's got bitterness inside of you and you walk around just mad and you make excuses as to why you can continue to stay mad. Some of you, I'm just going to be real, can I preach it to you? You're absolutely unhealthy. You are obese. You are on a list of medications this long and you keep eating the way you eat and living the way you live and making excuses for the reason that you're not healthy in your body. We have an excuse. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else does it at my college Everybody else does it at my high school. Everybody else in the country, we have excuses for everything, and everybody blames everybody else. The gays blame the straights, and the straight blame the gays. And the white blame the black. And the black blame the white. And the Democrats blame the Republicans. And the Republicans blame the Democrats. And and the English blame the Spanish. And the male blames the female. And everybody blames God. And everybody's got an excuse for why they are where they are. And if we're ever going to grow, my God, y'all. If we're ever going to grow, at some point we have to mature. And have some responsibility and own our mistakes and own our failures and own our shortcomings. And confess them and admit them. That is so hard because we're all so full of stinking, dirty, rotten pride. There's something about when we confess, I've made a mistake. There's something about when we go, I was wrong. There's something about when stuff goes to hell in a handbasket, you go, I ain't making no excuses. I just, I screwed it up. Something about that, when you confess it, when you speak it out of your mouth, something happens supernaturally in the spiritual realm that can bring healing to all of us. James five sixteen, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Are there some of us in here that are sick mentally? that are sick emotionally, that are sick spiritually, and we can't seem to get well. And the reason we can't get well is because we are unwilling to admit and to confess our faults. According to the Scripture, confess them, and you will bring some healing to your life. I love this one, Hosea five fifteen, God says, then I will return to my place. God lives in heaven. Can I hear an amen? amen. Then I will return to my place Until they admit their guilt and turn to me. God says, if you're just going to keep playing that game and not admit your guilt, if you're going to keep blaming everybody else, like I'll just go back to my place and I'll let you take care of that down there. Let me know how that works for you, trying to figure it all out by yourself. But God said, if you admit your faults and you admit your guilt, then I will come back and I will be a very present help in time of need. God says he is close to the broken and contrite spirit. And if we'll admit, he'll come running to help us. Let me give you some more. This is so important. Hebrews 3.8. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. I want to bring this up to you because if we rebel against God, over and over again the more we ignore the voice of God the more we step outside of his boundaries the more we choose sin the more we won't confess our faults guess what happens then our hearts get hard our hearts get hard to the preaching our hearts get hard reading the word of God our hearts get hard to what's right or wrong my God y'all is this not a picture of the United States of America right now We have ignored God for the last generation or two. We have ignored the truth. We've quit living according to the word of God. We're trying to make our own rules about sex and about marriage and about gender and about everything else. And as America, as a nation, our hearts have got hard to the truth of God. It's just the truth. Last scripture. Conrad, y'all come help me close, please. 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, if we admit it. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we'll just confess, if we'll just admit it, if we'll quit making excuses, God will come, cleanse us from all wickedness. I say this in closing. Excuses and blame shifting Are destroying our world. Destroying our marriages. Destroying our families. Destroying our children. Destroying our government. Destroying our school system. And you know what? It's destroying our churches. Because that culture is leaked into our church. We want to make an excuse. Nothing will ever change in our life. How many believe God has some greater things out there for you? Can I hear a good amen? Nothing will ever change. And we'll never ever grow and mature we always have an excuse. It's time for us to make this declaration in our life. It's time for you. It's time for me. No more excuses. Never, ever again. I'll just own it. I'll own my mistakes. I'll own my shortcomings. I'll own it. It's me. I'll take the blame. If you own it, confess it, And admit it, repent, and come back to God, then you can watch yourself begin to flourish and you can watch the people around you begin to flourish as well. So let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes before we sing one final song of worship. Father, you are so good to us, you set up life for us to enjoy for us to have peace, for us to have fulfillment and satisfaction. We may be different people with different personalities, different goals in life, but at the end of the day, God, you're the giver of life and you're what sustains us. So, Lord, I pray today your spirit would, when you would begin to speak to each one of us from the youngest to the oldest in the room. Speak to us about our habit of making an excuse for everything. Give us the strength and the courage and the boldness. Even though we know what's right, give us the strength and the courage and the boldness to stand up and do what's right. To own it. To admit it. To quit blaming anyone or anything else. Let us trust you and walk out in your truth and walk out in your commandments. Because we want to glorify you and we want to see your blessings flow. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Like a rushing wind, Holy Spirit, fire of God, fall in this place and empower us. Breathe on us, so that we can walk this life out. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Y'all stand on your feet and let's close.